A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all people and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us, that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near to the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how it had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So you've heard the story before, huh, Rainey? Oh yes, this is uh, this is a familiar story. We're on Easter night again. Last week we were on Easter night in the Gospel of John with the disciples in the locked room. Today we're with Luke and two disciples, apparently not part of the the ones whose names we know, the eleven, the twelve, uh, are leaving Jerusalem, walking along and. A companion joins them. 
Yeah, this is a pretty, um, it's, it's kind of a favorite story among Christians and, and non-Christians. Um, people remember this story, and, and I want to kind of unpack it a little bit and then talk about why it's so popular um, and also why we might be hearing it a little bit differently uh, today. Right. Um, this particular situation, but I have to I have to start with this. This just happened this morning. Um, we were having virtual Sunday school uh, with Linda and Karen and Janine and some of the parents and some of the kids. And so Linda read uh, the the children's version of this story. And so Linda asked the question, what would you say to Jesus or want to thank Jesus for? Or what comment would you want to make to Jesus if Jesus just happened to appear to you on the road? And some of the kids said, oh, I, wanna, I would want to thank Jesus for helping people and making the world a better place and um, just for generally uh, supporting and loving people. But one of, one of our young people said, I would tell Jesus to be careful because you're not supposed to walk in the road. <laughs> <laughs> Stay on the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That yeah, was. That was. All right. So, yeah. So, Jesus is hanging out with these folks, but um, for some reason, he's prevented them from recognizing him, right? Yeah. So, that's, a, that's the first thing that jumps out at me. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Um, the gospel writer, I think, wants to try to explain to us because he says it's Jesus, but he wants us to know that these folks don't know that. And then the question is, why? Uh, why wouldn't they recognize him? And for me, it reminds me that this is typical of the post-resurrection appearances, the first appearances of Jesus. People don't recognize him. Uh, the, the stories are murky and mysterious and they aren't expecting to see Jesus, so they don't see him, which I think is uh, something I, I try to take to heart. And the other thing is that it reminds me that they didn't have some magic bullet experience that I'll never be able to have. Um, no, they, they were as confused as I am. You know, there are times when it seems clear that Jesus is present, and there are other times when I totally miss it. And uh, so I take comfort from that, that the story that we have um, is unfolding. It's unfolding in all of our lives. And uh, we don't have to feel that we are unfaithful if there are times when we don't recognize Jesus. Yeah, one, one scholar that I read talk about the movement of this story that moves from a lack of recognition to recognition. So I, I think um, that, this, that this story takes place as a part of a journey in some way parallels that journey for you and for me and for all of us is that we are all um, on that journey of being able to recognize Jesus in those um, less expected places. And I love that they that Jesus shows up to these folks. It's not in a church, not in a sanctuary, not in some holy place that's been set aside. Mm -hmm. He sets he he makes himself known. Um, he he comes alongside them on this on a dirt road, on a journey heading heading somewhere else. Um, 
And so this one scholar asked the question, which I think we can all ask ourselves. Um, we, we don't have right now these usual places where we experience Jesus. We don't have the communion rail and the passing of the peace and the taking of the wine and the bread. We don't have those typical places where we encounter Jesus, but we're in these really atypical places. And, um, and it's important to remember that those are the places where Jesus does come to us and begin that process of that journey toward recognition. When, when uh, the two these two disciples are talking with Jesus and explaining why, what's happened, what strikes me is just the poignancy of when, he, when Cleopas says, we had hoped that he was the one. I mean, that is just so um, sad and yet real to me that, you know, we had this hope and it seems to have been dashed because of what has happened, uh, which then means as they move forward, uh, there's, there's, there's new reason to hope. Yeah, and um, they're, they're kind of looking back, aren't they? Um, a third of this passage is them looking into the past. And I think what this journey is about and what Jesus is trying to tell them is that, all right, now it's time to look into the future. All of those things that you, you thought, um, you assumed, um, all of that is, is not as important anymore as what is happening from this moment forward, from this very step that we're taking forward. And a lot is going to be revealed. A lot is going to be uncovered as they continue on this uh, really short journey. Yeah, I agree with that. But I also um, point to the fact that Jesus... Uh, goes to their tradition, his tradition, and, and opens the scriptures to them. So in a sense, he says, let's look, let's look back. Um, mm-hmm. And then he brings it, he brings it into the present to, to, to help them see how what they had hoped for is being fulfilled. Uh, so he doesn't say, forget the scriptures. You know, mm-hmm. we preachers don't want them to hear, we don't want to hear that. <laughs> We're out of a job. I mean, really. So, uh, but I think he makes a connection from what they have hoped for in the past to the present situation and then, then leads them forward. I, I agree with you. It's certainly forward oriented. He's kind of a new expression of that. He's bringing that, elevating that in a different way. And then it says, uh, as they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. And for some reason, that line always captures my imagination. Yeah. You know, was Jesus like, well, I guess I'll keep on going now, like kind of <laughs> toward invitation or right. was like, all right, folks, I'm going to continue my journey. Um, right. That's or, always yeah. or do you know a good restaurant nearby where I could get a dent and get a meal yeah. <laughs> or some other <laughs> some other prompt? Yeah. But no, there's there's something major going on here, whether whether we feel like Jesus prompts it or not. Um, but they say, come and stay with us because it's almost evening. And here we have a great show of hospitality. That's the way this is a stranger to, to these two. Right. This is a stranger. Remember that. Um, 
I think about the connections to this story and to our own Emmaus meal, right? We, we don't invite people to that meal that we know. These are people that we don't know. And part of the, um, the majority of, of what we're trying to do for these folks is to help them make connections to each other. And uh, so inviting in the stranger is a part of our identity and it's reflected here in this beautiful story. All right. And then they go in and they sit down at the table and then they break bread, they bless it and they, they give it, which is, um, you'll, you'll, we automatically think of our Eucharist, right. but this has a lot to do with the feeding of the 5,000 as well. Right, right, right. right. So it could, and, and one, this, this preacher that I heard says that, so not every, not every uh, mention of bread and wine is about Eucharist. It's also about table fellowship. It's about coming together to share a meal together. And this is, this is what's happening. Right. It reminds me that um, after the destruction of the temple and the exile to Babylon, the, the, the center of worship was gone and the people had to um, re-understand how, how worship would happen. And it became more centered in the home and the Sabbath meal that cel that's uh, celebrated as a family unit or as a, uh, as a household. And um, I think we Christians have kind of lost that a little bit because, because of the emphasis on the sacrament, which I certainly um, mm -hmm. treasure and never would want to, uh, while that's why being without it right now is so painful. Perhaps though, it helps us rediscover in exile what table fellowship can be like uh, on a different scale and, uh, and with those that we know and love. Uh, and ideally with strangers as well, but right now it's just, yeah. it's just the folks we're close to. Yeah, and I've been hearing that a lot. I don't know if you have, but um, people are talking about the value of eating together and kind of having Sunday night meals every night now and uh, connecting with each other in different ways. So um, at least that's how I'm hearing that this story a little bit differently mm -hmm. in this particular season. Um, they were saying, the Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Yeah. So Jesus, there's recognition, there's revelation that, that ultimately this journey is leading toward. Right, and there's energy. So think about this. They've, they've walked from, from Jerusalem to, the, to Emmaus. It's seven miles or so, which is a pretty good hike on foot. They've had dinner together. It's it's night, and but when they recognize Jesus, their impulse is dash back to Jerusalem to go see the others and to tell them about their experience. So, uh, I like the fact that they don't just say, "Wow, we had this wonderful experience. Aren't we special? Let's let's have another glass of wine and go to bed." No, they they want to. They want to return to other friends of Jesus to share with with them what what they have experienced, uh, and I, I love that. I think that again is what I hear is that Jesus 
Jesus comes alongside us and we recognize him in a variety of ways on the road, in the scriptures, at the table. And part of that experience then empowers us to invite others to know who that, to know Jesus as we have known him. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking in the Bible study on Thursday um, about this story and why it's so popular. And I think it's for, for me, it, it's because it seems really relatable. Um, we've all been on journeys like this. We've all encountered um, strangers. We've, um, we've, we've all kind of been in places of like, oh, disappointment. Like we had thought this was going to happen and it didn't happen. Um, and one of the, the people in the Bible study talked about how um, he thought this story was so popular because we all kind of wish this would happen to us. We wish Jesus would kind of go poof and just like, ah, and show up. Um, and and we, we hope that, we want that. And another person commented that uh, the popularity might have to do with, with looking back, seeing God, seeing Jesus in retrospect. Um, you know, weren't our hearts burning within us when he was talking to us? Um, and that I, I'm reminded that God, our God is a God that shows God's self in history, that shows God's self in the past. And sometimes we can only connect those dots um, looking backward. Well, knowing the stories of our ancestors through, our, through the scriptures are, are a treasure they're a way of bringing, bringing us into those experiences that they've had and setting ourselves up for experiences that we may have in the future. I love the fact that these two people are not the, are not the special 12. It's, mm -hmm. One's named Cleopas and the other one, we don't even know their name. And they had this encounter with Jesus on the first Easter, which tells me again, uh, our, our trust is that God is showing up all over the place, not just, just to people who think they should deserve, should deserve it, that, that Jesus is, is, uh, is all over the place. Or in a particular way. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, people were, wear, people were wearing those bracelets for a long time that said, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And when people would quote that to me, I would say, I want my bracelet to say, what is Jesus doing? Because to ask the question, what would he do is a theoretical question and it's sort of a head question. And it, uh, I may get all analytical about stuff, but if, it, if I phrase it, what is Jesus doing? Then I am looking, who's, who's come alongside me? What is going on around me? Where are the places where I, I see God's love manifest? And I think the Maya story, you know, encourages us to have that mindset. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the word for us today is what, what is Jesus doing? And that's what this story is about. It's like, what is Jesus doing in this journey, in this moment? Um, so I'll, we'll, we'll leave you with that to continue um, in, in conversation throughout the week with your family, with your friends. What, what is Jesus doing? How is Jesus coming alongside you? How is Jesus showing himself in table fellowship with you? Um, that's what you can keep talking about. But that's a good segue into the announcement that I want to make. It has to do with how Jesus is showing up and how Jesus will show up in and through the work 
and the ministry of St. Paul's and through every single one of you. Um, I want to announce to you the establishment of the St. Paul's COVID-19 Relief Fund. The St. Paul's COVID-19 Relief Fund. Uh, this will be a grant process. Um, at the annual parish meeting, you heard me talk about kind of a, a new um, um, way that outreach is going to be developing at St. Paul's. And so an outreach steering committee has been formed and it was formed just before the pandemic broke out. Um, and so they've been putting their heads together, discerning how we can speak into this experience. Um, and so they've developed this fund, um, primary consideration of grants up to $20,000 um, are gonna be given to organizations that are serving, working, or based within communities that St. Paul's has a relationship with. And these could be families in the East End of Richmond, uh, families dealing with housing or food insecurity in Richmond, and our friends in Wittakira. Um, primary consideration will also be toward organizations and nonprofits profits that are addressing the broad set of needs that are emerging from the COVID-19 health crisis. And that might include uh, organizations and nonprofits who are attending to food access, childcare, housing, health services, delivery, education, etc. cetera. Um, so this is going to be made uh, public on Tuesday, um, but we wanted you to hear about it first in your vestry uh, last week, uh, gathered via Zoom to approve this, and they have dedicated an initial investment of $150,000 to this COVID-19 relief fund. Um, you are welcome to make contributions to that fund. And you can find information about that on our website or on our app. Um, again, this will be a grant uh, process. People will fill out um, uh, grant requests and then the steering committee will gather to, um, to examine those. And uh, we are still going to be offering individual support this particular fund does not um, address individuals, but we are still available with individual support. Lynn Williams is still attending to that as she always has. And of course, for you, the St. Paul's community, um, know that my discretionary fund is also available for individual support. Um, so stay tuned as we roll out the St. Paul's COVID-19 relief fund and hopefully it will um, go a long way in helping other people experience um, how Jesus is showing up for them. So um, in your prayers, please keep this uh, relief fund in your prayers, the steering committee, as well as all of those who are experiencing such tremendous need in this time. Okay, I hope I covered everything. And if not, again, it's on the stpaulsrva.org, our website.